0: Section Twenty Five of the Crime of Celestine by Anatole France. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. September to December. The regularity with which visit succeeded visit to the old man's house thereafter made me feel very grateful to Mademoiselle Poirier who succeeded at last in winning her right to occupy a special corner in the city of books she now says my chair my footstool my pigeon-hole her pigeon-hole is really a small shelf properly belonging to the poets of la champagne whom she expelled therefrom in order to obtain a lodging for her work-bag she is very amiable and i must really be a monster not to like her i can only endure her in the severest signification of the word but what would not one not endure for jean's sake her presence lends to the city of books a charm which seems to hover about it even after she is gone she is very ignorant but she is so finely gifted that whenever i show her anything beautiful i am astounded to find that i had never really seen it before and that it is she who makes me see it i have found it impossible so far to make her follow some of my ideas but i have often found pleasure in following the whimsical and delicate course of her own a more practical man than i would attempt to teach her to make herself useful but is not the capacity of being amiable a useful thing in life without being pretty she charms and the power to charm is perhaps after all worth quite as much as the ability to darn stockings furthermore i am not immortal and i doubt whether she will have become very old when my notary who is not matre mouge shall read to her a certain paper which i signed a little while ago i do not wish that any one except myself should provide for her and give her her dowry i am not however very rich and the paternal inheritance did not gain bulk in my hands one does not accumulate money by poring over old texts but my books at the price which such noble merchandise fetches to-day are worth something why on that shelf there are some poets of the sixteenth century for which bankers would bid against princes and i think that those hearers of simon vostre would not be readily overlooked at the hotel sevesque any more than would those presepiae compiled for the use of queen claude i have taken great pains to collect and to preserve all those rare and curious editions which people the city of books and for a long time i used to believe that they were as necessary to my life as air and light i have loved them well and even now i cannot prevent myself from smiling at them and caressing them those morocco bindings are so delightful to the eye these old vellums are so soft to the touch there is not a single one among those books which is not worthy by reason of some special merit to command the respect of an honorable man what other owner would ever know how to dip into them in the proper way can i be even sure that another owner would not leave them to decay and neglect or mutilate them at the prompting of some ignorant whim into whose hands will fall that incomparable copy of the histoire de l'abbaye de saint-germain de pres on the margins of which the author himself in the person of jacques bouillard made such substantial notes in his own handwriting master bernard you are an old fool your housekeeper poor soul is nailed down upon her bed with a merciless attack of rheumatism jean is come with her chaperon and instead of thinking how you are going to receive them you are thinking about a thousand stupidities silvestre bonard you will never succeed at anything in this world and it is i myself who tell you so and at this very moment i kept sight of them from my window as they get out of the omnibus jean leaps down like a kitten but mademoiselle proffert entrusts herself to the strong arm of the conductor with the shy grace of a virginia recovering after the shipwreck and this time quite resigned to being saved jean looks up sees me laughs and mademoiselle proffert has to prevent her from waving her umbrella at me as a friendly signal there is a certain stage of civilization to which mademoiselle jean never can be brought you can teach her all the arts if you like it is not exactly to mademoiselle Prefere that i am now speaking but you will never be able to teach her perfect manners as a charming child she makes the mistake of being charming only in her own way only an old fool like myself could forgive her pranks as for young fools and there are several of them still to be found i do not know what they would think about it and what they might think is none of my business just look at her running along the pavement wrapped in her cloak with her hat tilted back on her head and her feather fluttering in the wind like a schooner in full rig and really she has a grace of poise and motion which suggests a fine sailing vessel so much so indeed that she makes me remember seeing one day when i was at havre Babona, my friend how many times is it necessary to tell you that your housekeeper is in bed and that you must go and open the door yourself open old man winter tis spring who rings the bell it is jeanne herself jeanne is all flushed like a rose mademoiselle préfère indignant and out of breath has still another whole flight to climb before reaching our lobby i explained the condition of my housekeeper and proposed that we should dine at a restaurant but Thérèse, all powerful still even upon her sick-bed decided that we should dine at home whether we wanted to or no respectable people in her opinion never dined at restaurants moreover she had made all necessary arrangements the dinner had been bought the concierge would cook it the audacious jean insisted upon going to see whether the old woman wanted anything as you might suppose she was sent back to the parlour with short shrift but not so harshly as i had feared if I want anybody to do anything for me, which thank God I do not, therese had replied, I would get somebody less delicate and dainty than you are. What I want is rest, that is a merchandise which is not sold at fairs under the sign of modus with finger on lip. Go and have your fun and don't stay here for old age might be catching. Jean, after telling us what she had said, added that she liked very much to hear old Therese talk. Whereupon Mademoiselle Préfère reproached her for expressing such unladylike tastes. I tried to excuse her by citing the example of Molière. Just at that moment, it came to pass that while climbing the ladder to get a book, she upset a whole shelf row. There was a heavy crash, and Mademoiselle Préfère, being of course a very delicate person, almost fainted jean quickly followed the books to the foot of the ladder she made one think of a kitten suddenly transformed into a woman catching mice which had been transformed into old books while picking them up she found one which happened to interest her and she began to read it squatting down upon her heels it was the prince granouille she told us mademoiselle Préfère took occasion to complain that jean had so little taste for poetry it was impossible to get her to recite casimir de la Vigne's poem on the death of jean of arc without mistakes it was the very most she could do to learn le petit Savoyard. the schoolmistress did not think that any one should read the prince Granouille before learning by heart the stanzas to du and carried away by her enthusiasm she began to recite them in a voice sweeter than the bleating of a sheep ta Du sera donc éternel et les tristes discours que te met en l'esprit l'amitié éternelle l'augmenteront toujours. Je sais de quel appât son enfance était plein et n'ai pas entrepris injurieux ami de consoler ta peine avec son mépris then in ecstasy she exclaimed how beautiful that is what harmony how is it possible for any one not to admire such exquisite such touching verses but why did Malheur call that poor m du his ingerieux ami at a time when he had been so severely tied by the death of his daughter ingerieux ami you must acknowledge that the term is very harsh i explained to this poetical person that the phrase ami which shocked her so much was in apposition etc etc what i said however had so little effect towards clearing her head that she was seized with a severe and prolonged fit of sneezing meanwhile it was evident that the history of prince franouille had proved extremely funny for it was all that jeanne could do as she crouched down there on the carpet to keep herself from bursting into a wild fit of laughter but when she had finished with the prince and princess of the story and the multitude of their children she assumed a very suppliant expression and begged me as a great favour to allow her to put on a white apron and go to the kitchen to help in getting the dinner ready jean i replied with the gravity of a master i think that if it is a question of breaking plates knocking off the edges of dishes denting all the pans and smashing all the skimmers the person whom Therese has set to work in the kitchen already will be able to perform her task without assistance for it seems to me at this very moment i can hear disastrous noises in that kitchen but anyhow jean i will charge you with the duty of preparing the dessert so go and get your white apron i will tie it on for you accordingly i solemnly knotted the linen apron about her waist and she rushed into the kitchen where she proceeded at once as we discovered later on to prepare various dishes unknown to Vatel, unknown even to that great who began his treatise upon pieces monte with these words the fine arts are five in number painting music poetry sculpture and architecture whereof the principal branch is confectionery but i had no reason to be pleased with this little arrangement for mademoiselle prefer on finding herself alone with me began to act after a fashion which filled me with frightful anxiety she gazed upon me with eyes full of tears and flames and uttered enormous sighs oh how i pity you she said a man like you a man so superior as you are having to live alone with a coarse servant for she is certainly coarse that is incontestable how cruel such a life must be you have need of repose you have need of comfort of care of every kind of attention you might fall sick and yet there is no woman who would not deem it an honour to bear your name and to share your existence no there is none my own heart tells me so and she squeezed both hands over that heart of hers always so ready to fly away i was driven almost to distraction i tried to make mademoiselle comprehend that i had no intention whatever of changing my habits at so advanced an age and that i found just as much happiness in life as my character and my circumstances rendered possible no you were not happy she cried you need to have always beside you a mind capable of comprehending your own shake off your lethargy and cast your eyes about you your professional connections are of the most extended character and you must have charming acquaintances one cannot be a member of the institute without going into society see judge compare. no sensible woman would refuse you her hand i am a woman monsieur my instinct never deceives me there is something within me which assures me that you would find happiness in marriage women are so devoted so loving not all of course but some and then they are so sensitive to glory remember that at your age one has need like Oedipus, of an egeria your cook is no longer able she is deaf she is infirm if anything should happen to you at night oh it makes me shudder even to think of it and she really shuddered she closed her eyes clenched her hands stamped on the floor great was my dismay with awful intensity she resumed your health your dear health the health of a member of the institute how joyfully i would shed the very last drop of my blood to preserve the life of a scholar of a litterateur of a man of worth and any woman who would not do as much i should despise her let me tell you monsieur i used to know the wife of a great mathematician a man who used to fill whole note-books with calculations so many note that they filled all the cupboards in the house he had heart disease and he was visibly pining away and i saw that wife of his sitting there beside him perfectly calm i could not endure it i said to her one day my dear you have no heart if i were in your place i should i should i do not know what i should do she paused for want of breath my situation was terrible as for telling mademoiselle Prefere what i really thought about her advice that was something which i could not even dream of daring to do for to fall out with her was to lose the chance of seeing jean so i resolved to take the matter quietly in any case she was in my house that consideration helped me to treat her with something of courtesy i am very ill mademoiselle i answered her and i am very much afraid that your advice comes to me rather late in life still i will think about it in the meanwhile let me beg of you to be calm i think a glass of eau sucre would do you good to my great surprise these words calmed her at once and i saw her sit down very quietly in her corner close to her her pigeon-hole upon her chair with her feet upon her footstool the dinner was a complete failure mademoiselle provere who seemed lost in a brown study never noticed the fact as a rule i am very sensitive about such misfortunes but this one caused jean so much delight that at last i could not help enjoying it myself even at my age i had not been able to learn before that a chicken raw on one side and burned on the other was a funny thing but jean's burst of laughter taught me that it was that chicken caused us to say a thousand very witty things which i had forgotten and i was enchanted that it had not been properly cooked jean put it back to roast again then she boiled it then she stewed it with butter and every time it came back to the table it was much less appetizing and much more mirth provoking than before when we did eat it at last it had become a thing for which there is no name in any cuisine the almond cake was much more extraordinary it was brought to the table in the pan because it never could have got out of it i invited Jean to help us all to a piece, thinking that i was going to embarrass her but she broke the pan and gave each of us a fragment to think that anybody of my age could eat such things was an idea possible only to the very artless mind, now, Mademoiselle Prefer suddenly awakened from her dream, indignantly pushed away the sugary splinter of earthenware, and deemed it opportune to inform me that she herself was exceedingly skilful in making confectionery. Ah, exclaimed Jean with an air of surprise not altogether without malice then she wrapped all the fragments of the pan in a piece of paper for the purpose of giving them to her little playmates especially to the three little mouton girls who are naturally inclined to galatnie secretly however i was beginning to feel very uneasy it did not now seem in any way possible to keep much longer upon good terms with mademoiselle perfer since her matrimonial fury had this burst forth and that lady affronted good-bye to jean i took advantage of a moment while the sweet soul was busy putting on her cloak in order to ask jean to tell me exactly what her own age was she was eighteen years and one month old i counted on my fingers and found she would not come of age for another two years and eleven months and how should we be able to manage during all that time at the door mademoiselle Prefere squeezed my hand with so much meaning that i fairly shook from head to foot good-bye i said very gravely to the young girl but listen to me a moment your friend is very old and might perhaps fail you when you need him most promise me never to fail in your duty to yourself and then i shall have no fear god keep you my child after closing the door behind them i opened the window to get a last look at her as she was going away but the night was dark and i could see only two vague shadows flitting across the quay i heard the vast deep hum of the city rising up about me and i suddenly felt a great sinking at my heart poor child end of section 25.